Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that are centered on Amridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the sober trustee who is Royfield Brown, and with me are the soon-to-be-evicted tenant who goes by the name of... Kerry Warbis. And we are joined by the lovelorn farmer's son, who is... Peter Fickling. And the last part of this week's sibling rivalry, folks, is you. Now, this week's Dumpty Dum is from Jen and Son. Now, Kerry, somebody else would like to send us in a Dumpty Dum. How can that be done? It was good, that, wasn't it? I liked it. Um, so if you would like to sing us a Dumpty Dum or leave us a plot prediction, then call us on 0203 031 3105. Leave us a message on SpeakPipe or send us a text message starting with DUM to 077 862 Thanks to our social media supremos, Cosmo for his podcast roundups, Mike Hatton for his character counts, Shambridge for her voices, and to Lucy V. Freeman. Just very quickly before we go on to uh, who's called in on this week, I need to remind you good people that we have about three or four copies of Ambridge at War from uh, Schuster and Schuster uh, for you to win. Quite simply, all you need to do is go on to dumdum.com and you'll see there is a page that says Ambridge at War quiz, quite simply. Uh, it's a pitch round quiz and uh, go answer those three questions and then email me royfield at gmail.com. And so we have about three left. They gave us 10 books. There's seven correct answers have come in already. So if you fancy uh, getting, your, getting your hands on uh, this wondrous book, quite simply go on to dumdydum.com and uh, you know the drill. On this week's episode, we hear views from Cheryl, Pat from Leeds, Fiona, Carol from Sydney. Uh, and then we've got a bit of a mashup call. Uh, it's Cheryl and Jane together. Basically, they're going head to head uh, with a spoon from the upper lower east west side. Jan from Cam, Andrew Horn, uh, Jenny 
Brian and Mia, we have lots of calls. But folks, uh, first, before all of that, it is our hot topic of the week. And this week's hot topic is Pip Archer says, Hitler, hold my beer. Now, I, I must admit, right, when it comes to Pip Archer, uh, you pair, I, I'm a bit meh, right? She's just kind of in it. I don't understand the vitriol which is thrown her way, uh, but she doesn't ex- it doesn't exactly excite my passions. Uh, but Pete Fickling, I believe she really gets you quite exercised. Why is she like Hitler? <laughs> What's that theory that uh, going straight to mm-hmm. Hitler marks you out as sort of slightly imbecilic and stupid? Well, anyway, I plead guilty, but in this in this particular circumstance, I say that it's very apt. You know, the banality of evil could not be more um, evident than with um, H- uh, Pip's slow and boring kind of grind away at her relatives, friends, business partners, and one assumes child as well, because um, whatever that little thing's called, it's upset, isn't it? It's not sleeping well and giving Toby all kinds of problems. I, I mean, when she was a teenager, I think I sort of, she had a kind of earnest do-goody, I want to help around the farm kind of charm that I kind of bought into. But as she's got older, it's, it's, it's it hasn't gone away, but now she's just kind of interfering, always, you know, sticking her fingers in every pie and always with the assumption that she's right. So, for instance, to get a bit kind of my more micro after the big kind of macro sort of uh, attack. Josh had a field selected. David had supported uh, supported him, and Pip just stood there in the corner of the field, lambasting him and hectoring him. And then, of course, this week, you know, this week she didn't even have the courage to stand toe to toe with Rex and just say, "Yes, this is what I've done. It's you know, it's in the interest of my family, it's in the interest of my child, and sorry." No, she had to sort of, as he quite rightly said, he you no, know, she had to have the truth dragged out of her by him. Sorry, rant over. Uh, when, when I think of Pip, the, the words that spring to my mind immediately are rude, whiny and selfish. Um, and she's also a liar, just the cherry on that little yes. cake there. And I, I, I just think, I mean, the poor cow, she's doomed because she's an archer. So <laughs> for me, you know, most of the archers, I'm not that keen on, to be honest with you. Like Peter said, she just moans about everything. When she was she was downing um, Josh's enterprises from the off, like, well, you'll need this pet, you know, you need all your documents in order and you'll need this and that. And she, I loved it when he went, well, actually, it's been approved, my bank loan. So, <laughs> um, you know, and she, and then she sort of squeezed out, uh, oh, that's fantastic. And thought, well, yeah, did you really mean that? Don't know. Well, her position at Brookfield also, as Brookfield's future is is often just totally unchallenged. You know, she sort of swans around knowing that it's all going to be hers in the future, when actually I don't think her heart's really in it. Yeah, five um, minutes of Googling cutting-edge dairy technology gets her all the praise in the world from um, David and Ruth. Oh, my God, there's someone in New Zealand who's done a, an open-air milking solution. It's like, oh, Pip, you're a genius. Here, the farm's yours. Josh slaves <laughs> away in the corner, being constantly mm. lambasted and criticised by both parents and his elder sister. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, Josh was the one who suggested that um, uh, that the, the Fairbrothers be evicted. And, you know, slowly that idea was kind of you know, fermented and then sort of worked its way around the the evil cabal mm. that is the you know that 
that lot, that malign lot. Um, you know, but the reason he gets a, a pass from me and he doesn't get quite the same attack that um, uh, Pip does is because he's been forced to try and find these angles. And also, as I said, he had he had made plans within within literally the kind of the template of the farm. Whereas Pip, you know, Pip then put him under that pressure. Anyway, sorry, I really really don't like her. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know her relationship with men is quite odd. Her childcare skills are lacking. Um, or her hours that she puts into childcare are lacking. Anything else? <laughs> <And> you, <laughs> does does you, that make her Hitler, though? Hitler. Like, that. that is the way we, this whole thing has been premised, that she is Hitler. I just repeat the word Hitler is yeah. Hitler. It was come on well, now. That, that was that was a um, that was a silly middle-aged man um, quickly trying to outline his idea for the topic of the week on a Sunday evening mm -hmm. in between um, you know making dinner and wrestling with children, and somehow it made it to the finishing line. So I mean, not literally exactly Hitler, but you know there are you know but Hitler you know famously if he got his scholarship to that um, to that art um, art academy, he yeah. would never would have been bothered by him again. So maybe if Pip you know maybe if Pip was given full reign of the farm that will save mankind but you know the way things are going we might all be marching under some kind of um you know bovine banner <laughs> in the future so saying heil pip heil pip what was you called a Kerry? pipler pipler, pipler. yeah um, but <laughs> yeah. also she, didn't didn't she didn't she once sort of say practically that she would bin off farming if she had enough cash she did oh exactly yeah Oh, hey, Peter, can he wait to hand over the farm to you? Or, you know, and she's like, oh, I could be bothered. That's a key difference. And Hitler was incredibly bothered, though, wasn't he? <laughs> when it came, it came to national socialism, Hitler could not be swayed by, like, you know, a holiday at a beach in the way yeah, that it was. If someone had given him loads of money, would he have just gone, oh, I can't be asked? Hitler, yeah. Hitler is definitely, definitely sort of like internet top 10 least near people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But okay, if we turn this around just momentarily, I know we've got a thousand calls to listen to, but can anyone think of redeeming features about Pip? Um, she's, I don't know. Uh... Okay, can we start from scratch then? Um, Pip is the new Katie Hopkins. Oh, come on now. Come well, on she's successfully now. shown us. She's successfully <laughs> shown us that a woman can um, have a career and look after a child, you know, at the same time. So, yes, okay, there we go. I'll, I'll accept that. Yeah. Does your heart not sink when she appears? No. No. Like, no. It, I, I flatline. It. Like, I don't go, oh my God, it's Pip. I don't go, yay, it's Pip. It's, it's just meh. She's utterly meh. However, I will be mm -hmm. slightly controversial. I actually really liked old Pip. You had a very distinct voice, a very distinct vocal style. And my slight criticism of this bit, considering I'm meh about her, is that she just sounds like she's from Middle England, middle of nowhere, as opposed to the old actor plays Pip, who's incredibly distinctive. Royfield, we, when we were sort of um, wrestling with technical issues beforehand, we were sort of chatting a bit about the previous week in the Archers, and you were saying that you really enjoyed the scene between um, um, Pip and Rex. And I think basically that's where a lot of this sort of um, upset is coming from. But surely that enjoyment came from the fact that Rex was reacting to something, and that, that reaction had to be for you to be happy, to be quite true, to be quite sort of plausible. So did, did in that moment, did you not kind of sense a little bit of what we're kind of getting at? No, I thought... What, what... <laughs> That's so Royfield. <laughs> Just, the most, you are the most contrary man uh, in this, on this planet. Peter. That's not true, Peter. Peter. Yeah. 
Peter, Peter. That's a that's oh. a bit harsh. That's a bit harsh. What I thought was great about their their set too was both of them had really bloody valid points. That's what made it great for me. Number one, Rex doesn't often show a backbone, but he absolutely did. Rex feels that he does have a relationship with Pip because they do the rewilding thing together, etc. And we we all know that also he's got a little bit of a thing for Pip as well. He propped her up a lot. He, sorry to interrupt. He did prop her up a lot as well. Yeah, yeah. He he said, oh, well, of course, you know, he believed that Pip had had their back in the, in the whole thing, right? So yeah, she told him that. She at least led him to believe that, didn't she? But then Rex develops a backbone. He's really bloody angry. And you understand that because he has to go and find a new place for his business, a new place uh, to call home. You understand his anger. And as far as he's concerned, his friend has shafted him. On the other hand, she says, you know what? You've got a tenancy. It doesn't mean you can be here forever. You don't have a moral right to be here forever. This is Brookfield Farm. Both viewpoints were incredibly yeah. valid. And that's what I thought was great about it. And they went, yeah, and right. they doesn't so right. make her Hitler or she... even worse than Hitler, Katie Hopkins. She's right about the fact that they've got temporary permission to stay there and so on. But at the end of the day, she lied, you know, and misled him. And that's not on. And, you know, when he was shouting, oh, it's typical of the archers, you know, to build up your empire, you knock others down. Josh is a spoilt brat. So are you. But people were cheering. <laughs> it's true. And the tin lid for me was at the end where she said, you're like a hurt kid wallowing in self-pity. And I thought, Jesus Christ, you have literally described yourself. Yeah, and he was only told that morning. So if he's been wallowing in self-pity, sure he's allowed a couple of hours. I agree with that last bit of what the periphery said. Just I wouldn't compare her to Katie Hopkins or Goebbels, Hitler, Stalin, <laughs> Trotsky. <laughs> no, Trotsky was actually all right, Trotsky, wasn't he? Yeah. Trotsky was all right. Oh, co coolest death ever. <laughs> Is that the ice pick? Yeah, Trotsky yeah. was the communist with who people say that he basically should have followed Lenin and actually the course of 20th century history would have been very different. Trotsky was very smart and wasn't um, down for mass genocide like Stalin was. Lenin, he was shot outside that hotel. That was sad. Oh, Lenin. oh sorry, Kerry. Oh, that's, that's a shocking joke. Is that it, by Mark Chapman, I see <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you what, John Lennon getting shot. He got shot on December the 8th and Les Ross on BRMB radio did not read out my birthday shout out when I was nine oh. because of that. Yeah. Oh, the real victim. Yeah. Oh, thank Leave you, Peter. Thank Leave you, Peter. Yoko, I <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> anyway, let's have a little bit of this. Hello, Ambridge3962. It's time for Call of Inneris, and we're going to start with Pat. Oh, hello. It's Pat from Leeds here. Love to everyone. Not sure who's doing Dumpty Dum this week. Different people, somebody different last week. Anyway, I may sound confused. That's because I am. I've been confused with the archers this week. First of all, Ben was doing a yoga impression very badly. I don't understand that. <laughs> I can't get my head around holotry of the eggs. 
I'd forgotten totally about the eggs, really, and I just don't understand what's going on and why Toby and Rex have got to move. It just seems to be like just a plot thing. And then suddenly we've got these trustees about Freddie and his inheritance. Where have they come from? I don't remember them ever being mentioned before. Ivy Horobin, who was a sweetheart, apparently. Don't remember her being a sweetheart or otherwise. <laughs> or the alcoholic brother of Susan, Stuart, which must have really helped Alice a lot, Susan going on about it. So I've spent the whole uh, week really in confusion, but that's just probably me. Anyway, a weird week all round in lots of ways, apart from archers, but thank goodness for the archers and thank goodness for Dumpty Dum, keeping me vaguely on the straight and narrow. Talk to everybody. Bye. Pat from Leeds, you are not the only one <laughs> to be confused by all of that, for sure. Um, there was a lot of talk on Twitter about, like, who is Ivy? Who is Stuart? Uh, trustees, when did they appear? Although it did turn out there have been trustees in the past, but Bernard came out of nowhere, really, didn't he? Um, yeah. uh, worrying about Freddie um, bringing Lower Loxley into, uh, well, giving them reputational damage and so on. Uh, yeah, there was a lot going on, really, wasn't there? <laughs> just just on this uh, reputational damage uh, mm. point, because he's going to do the Christmas panto. Yeah. It was bizarre. Absolutely yep. bizarre. It was completely yep. so arbitrary. I'm afraid, Elizabeth, unless uh, Freddie can pick up his own body weight in Conkers by October the 30th, <laughs> we're going to have to take away his dress. I mean, it was, I mean, what? I mean, might as well be how many stars he can count of a night or whatever. I mean, his ability to do a Christmas panto now, his whole future, the future of the whole place is, is you know, linked to that. It's absolute madness. Mm. Yeah, and poor old Lizzie, she was like, well, it's it's a community event and uh, it's raising money for charity. Surely this will show Freddie in great light. Well, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. Yeah. Why? Fair enough that, yes, he's a convicted drug dealer. So concentrate on that. You know, uh, is he going to be dealing drugs at the Panto? No. OK, fine. Great. As you were. Carry on. Mm. And you would have thought, considering he is a convicted drug dealer, him doing anything community minded is to the plus yeah. Yes, anything that's in the opposite direction. Yeah. Is there anything? Is there anything less drug dealy than um, doing? I mean, if you've watched the Ozarks, where there's, a, there's the guy sitting on the lake using his um, floating church as a way of distributing drugs to the, um, you know, to the congregation. Mm -hmm. So yes, if that's the plot, I can't, cannot wait. Um, they yeah. might owe us, you know. <laughs> that, 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 that's such a great series, Ozark. Speaking of not being able to stomach something, what about the Yoda Trevor impression? <laughs> oh, yes. okay. I thought, I thought, I thought the elephant in the room. Driven. Sorry, in, in terms of nonsense bingo, she managed to get every single number as far as I was concerned, except for Trevor yep. Drizzle. What's, <laughs> yes. what's happening with my plates? <laughs> yeah, where'd you get them plates? Where'd you get them that plates? Was absolutely what mental. What are yeah. they talking about? Oh, I didn't realise he did meet and greets. Well, who is he? What does he do? What are you talking about? It's so difficult to decode. Was Ben doing a faithful impersonation of Trevor Trevor Drizzle? Is what I'm trying to get at. So mm. is Trevor Drizzle an English person who does has like a silly American catchphrase? So I'm thinking like Vic and Bob. 
So yeah. it might be a kind of cod slightly stupid. So maybe Ben, because his Yoda impersonation wasn't, I mean, I'm sorry to disagree with Pat. Uh, everyone knows I love Pat, but, 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 you know, his Yoda wasn't terrible, terrible. So I think, you know, that Trevor Drizzle, anyway, I'm thinking Trevor Drizzle is a kind of end of peer kind of um, uh, 1980s comedian who's had a comeback and is now ironically cool. That's, that's how I th- thought he was. Uh, why have they used Drizzle in his name when we have the lemon drizzle cake all over the place? Maybe at a subconscious <laughs> level, that's why he likes him so much. You know, his whole childhood has been built on a bread rock of lemon, lemon drizzle cake. And so this is his <laughs> kind of um, comes. But yes, absolute nonsense. So you were saying, Kerry, so, so there's Trevor Drizzle, then there's the Yoda impersonation. That was all about going round barriers, wasn't it? If there's a, if there's a barrier, something about... If oh, Rory, if, yeah. If something in the way is walking round it, you must do or something yes because he was he wasn't he reacting to um rory trying to be some kind of um Seth, joe rogan or kind of jordan peterson it was sort of Troy. Like Svengali. Yeah. yeah yeah look yeah. you know look freddie if they give given a barrier just try and go you know find a way around it it's sort of like sort of awful um yeah. sort of you know sort of be your best seminar sort of speak one of those statements you see with a sunset behind that people put on facebook and stuff isn't it awful yes exactly <laughs> yes um i read a i read a very very detailed um thread on twitter earlier on that was describing all of the statistics about attainment between working class white um uh uh, Caribbean and uh, um, African um, descent children in the UK and you read it and at the end of it you're like oh all the statistics are nonsense actually it's incredibly subtle and complicated and so yes so when you turn on Facebook or Twitter and you see people kind of trying to communicate their entire world, try, try world view with an aphorism with a picture in the background it does make you quite angry <laughs> Right, my blood <laughs> is boiling with that Peter couldn't agree with you more, aphorisms down uh, but let's have more of Fiona Hello everyone, it's Fiona from Manchester. I wanted to comment on the supposedly superior sisters that seem to be cropping up everywhere this week in the Archers. First of all, we had Pip assuming, or probably hoping, that Josh wouldn't have prepared properly for his meeting with the bank, and how patronising was she? Then there was Lily trying to get involved with Freddie's production because she's worried he'd fail without her input. And there was also Susan talking about her alcoholic brother as though he was a lost cause. I'm also a big sister and have been known to try to give my brother unsolicited advice. So this was an interesting listen for me. I think Lily's interference comes from a place of love and concern for Freddie. And I was impressed with Lily's wise words to let him get on with it. However, I want to know what she's taking or doing to be that chilled out when Freddie's future is in the balance. And can I have some too? I could go on a rant about privileged pit, but I'm trying to channel Lizzie and be chilled. Keep safe and sane, and thanks, Royfield and Chums, for the podcast. Bye. Yes, thank you, Fiona. That's interesting, isn't it? Hadn't spotted all those superior sisters, Pip, Lily, Susan, and how chilled Lizzie is when Fweddy is being attacked. You know, this then goes back to her turnaround from her depression and stuff, I guess. Well, she's she's cavorting. She's in love, isn't she, with the beautiful Vince? Mm. She's got Vince Casey. So you know how could any you know the world? Um, she did. She did sound. She did sound quite peeved, didn't she? Make note of the fact that she was doing her best to kind of um, keep a lid yeah. on her anger. Um, and yeah. also, you know, she had Lily was doing all the ranting for her, so she was probably you know, probably you know too busy trying to parent Lily, who was being 
um, really quite awkward. But I, um, I think I think you should be very proud of, of being a big sister who um, is questioning your, you know, how you go about things. I think that's sort of like what's it John Ronson said about being a psychopath. If you if you're worried about being a psychopath, you're definitely not one. So if you're a big sister yeah. <laughs> worrying about your performance as a big sister, you're probably quite a good one. Mm. So from Fiona in Manchester, we go down under. It's Caroline in Sydney. Hello, it's Caroline from Sydney. What I want to say is how much I'm loving the Alice storyline. She's developed recently to be one of the most intriguing characters in the show, and I'm thoroughly enjoying listening to all of the ramifications around her pregnancy. On the surface, she's a successful, capable, fun person. But behind the mask, she's clearly extremely insecure and she's mean and nasty. And well, we all know that she's an alcoholic. I did find her conversation with Susan when they were talking about Ivy absolutely fascinating. Alice has obviously learned from her father how to put on the charm. Uh, I bet she didn't really have that much time for Ivy when she was alive, but she knows how to keep her mother-in-law on side. But what is making her situation so tragic is that she's afraid to reveal her weaknesses and insecurities to anyone, presumably because she's scared that if they can see through her, they'll stop loving her. Even Pris and her close family, she's, she just won't go there. And that means, of course, she can't ask anyone for help, even though she really, really, really needs it right now. Of course, she no doubt find that if she did tell people about what she's going through, they wouldn't stop loving her. They'd probably love her more, but in her mind, she can't take that risk. So, as I said, I'm just funny, really fascinating listening to this. Uh, so, and I hope it goes on quite a long time and doesn't get resolved too quickly. Okay, bye. Yeah, Caroline, loving the Alice storyline and all of its ramifications. I think that's an interesting point that you've made about um, she has that risk of being unloved and is so afraid to reveal her insecurities. I, I feel she's been on the edge of revealing it a couple of times, you know, and, and I think she's yearning for someone else to get it out of her. Even Jennifer came sort of close and then swerved massively away when they were having their conversation, I thought. You know, it kind of all went over her head, didn't it? When she said, um, "Yeah, oh, but you're doing so well and you're doing everything right and you're being really healthy and you think, oh God, you know, please look a little closer and listen a little harder to what Alice is saying to you. And I thought Caroline was absolutely right that um, Alice was doing a fantastic job buttering up Susan. But but also oh. I thought it was very genuine when she was quizzing Susan about the um, alcoholic brother. What's his name? Stuart. Was it Stuart? Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was well acted and sort of, uh, um, you know, a sign to what you're saying, Kerry, that she's, you know, she's desperate mm -hmm. to get this information. And, and what, you know, what she would love to do is probably find it. I mean, ironically, she's surrounded by alcoholics that she could probably sit down and talk to. Like Brian's probably well aware of the fact he's got a problem and is just doing the same mm -hmm. thing uh, a lot of us do to, you know, sort of hides it behind some bonhomie and some rather, you know, expensive crystal. But, you know, uh, um, but yeah, I, I, you, you do get that sense. She's absolutely yearning for all the information she can get and preferably, you mm -hmm. know, face to face. I think we were talking about that with Gavin, weren't we? That Gavin's a couple of weeks ago. Gavin's probably the yeah. only person who she could currently very just walk straight mm. up to him and wouldn't need to say, "Oh, I'm here to talk to you about my problem." Yeah, I think it, it's going to be such a relief for her to actually say those words, "I'm an alcoholic" or or similar to to yeah. whoever. Um, and and what about that killer line by Susan? when she was talking about Stuart and she said, um, 
you know, if it was one of us, we'd have the sense to see that we're hurting everyone, wouldn't we? Yeah. Or everyone around us, wouldn't we? And it's like, oh, God, that was so painful <laughs> to hear. I mean, I know that you two are not big fans of Stuart, uh, sorry, of uh, Susan's radio show, but she is a very useful blunt instrument at the moment for kind of moving on um, various, you know, yeah. plots or various, you know, d in her, her complete inability to retain information or, well, so, so, you know, discreetly retain information is a very useful tool for the writers and one that they're deploying, you know, magnificently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'll take your word for that, that it's a very useful uh, plot device, Peter. I think it's utterly <laughs> crass <laughs> and we deserve think... better. <laughs> I agree with you, Royfield. I think Susan is a good blunt instrument, but I don't want to hear her on that bloody radio show. <laughs> Amen to that, sister. Now we have um, a double header. Uh, we have two uh, caller in a going up against each other in the ring. That is the, the, the ring of public opinion on dum-de-dum. -dum. Hi, Royfield, Kerry and Peter. It's Cheryl here calling from Cornwall. Second time caller in era, phoning to bemoan Ruth this week. Just a persistent negativity. Can't remember the last time we heard to say anything nice about anyone or to anyone or showed any sort of affection at all. I'm really looking forward to the idea that one of the boys, and I think it will be one of the boys, brings home a nice psychology student and they'll challenge Ruth on all this negative stuff that she sends at her children. Hi all at Dumpty Dum, it's Jane Gage calling from West London. And for somebody who hates listening to their own voice, it's a miracle that I'm calling in again for the second week running. And to call in to defend Ruth. Yes, I know, I've even surprised myself. But I had an epiphany moment on Sunday listening to the omnibus. Here is a woman who appears to make a lot of the farming decisions and it was Ruth that revolutionised the herd management scheme a while back when Brookfield was really financially stuffed. She de deals with a well-meaning but somewhat pedestrian husband, a daughter with real farming ability that has got bogged down with motherhood, a son who is so fly that he flirted with a potentially life-changing arrest early in the year. Ben, a teenager who's struggling with lockdown. And finally, she has a seemingly all-capable but ultimately trying mother-in-law in residence 24-7s, undermining Ruth's role as the mother figure of Brookfield. So I'm not surprised she has limited time or patience dealing with her family. You can almost hear her hormones plummeting in each interaction. Maybe <laughs> poor Ruth just needs some HRT. <laughs> yes, I liked both of those calls. Uh, starting with Jane uh, from London first, uh, feeling she having her epiphany about Ruth. Uh, basically, she lives with loads of archers, so I really do now feel sorry for Ruth um, and has to deal with them all. The Cheryl from Cornwall. Yes, Ruth does. She is a negative Nancy, isn't she? She doesn't show affection very well. And I really enjoyed your point about hopefully one of the sons bringing home a psychology student and then they will pick apart Ruth's parenting <laughs> and David's, hopefully. So, Ruth, this lasagna is terrible. Um, please talk, you know, I, I mean, sorry, Witherspoon's going to get crossed now. That's a very, very cliched and rather uh, pathetic um, uh, callback to Freud. Uh, but yeah, uh, 
I, I mean, I don't think that I think both points of view are completely valid, aren't they? Like Ruth is mm. a terrible mother, but she's probably got some good excuses for being terrible. Terrible. Yeah. Isn't, isn't that a, a slight exaggeration? She could be maybe a better mother, much, show Roy more Field. empathy. But she's not terrible. Royfield, Royfield, Royfield. You've known me for a few years now and <laughs> exaggeration, hyperbole. That's pretty much all I've got. So, you know. It's, if I, I'm not gonna, it's gonna be Hitler. It's gonna be Katie Hopkins, and it's you know. Like I, but I think there's, <laughs> I, no, I think, I, I think you know, I think that it's, it's, she's not, she's not a particularly good mother. Then is that better? Yeah, I think Ruth's utter negativity has definitely rubbed off onto Pip, hasn't it? That whining, the tone of their voices is rarely jolly. Mm. And they've, I is mean, be, I, I know that, I know that um, we're told regularly that farming is the most difficult job in the world and that, uh, you know, that, and I, and I, and beyond my flippancy, I know that there are challenges to obviously being a farmer, especially with, you know, fluctuating rules and regulations and markets, et cetera. But her life's not, both their lives are not as bad as they make out. And also the other people on the farm don't seem to be quite such a bunch of eels. I mean, and, and it, it's not such an old fashioned family that the men really are just sitting back and watching the, you know, the, the, the women get on with everything. So it's not like a, it's not like holding a mirror up to a kind of sexist society in the same way that uh, I don't know. Pick another, say Brian and Jenny. You know, Brian doesn't Brian doesn't expect to be doing any nappy changing or uh, cooking, does he? Though with little Xander, he, he made the point of uh, saying that he didn't do all this stuff beforehand and look, looking at Adam and uh, has taken him out for walks et al. Hasn't he, old Brian? So even Brian, even Brian, True. you know, can feel those little winds of societal change. Ruth and Pip don't have the excuse of dealing with a, a form, you know, Brian's um, former, more, um, you know, lazy self. Mm. True that, true that. Now, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, folks. I'm going to keep the, this show uh, a rolling. Do your Freud impression again. <laughs> uh, I'm imagining now, Royford, that you are saying that the Visispoon will be coming on the air. Oh, <laughs> so telegraphed me, Peter. So telegraphed. Well done, sir. Upper, lower, east, west side. Ba boom. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling. Toss salads and scrambled eggs. Mercy. Greetings, everyone in Dumpty Dum Towers and all Dumpty Dummers around the world. It's Witherspoon and Angus Haggis here. First off, in response to some feedback aired last week about the program. I'd like to say I love both the original incarnation and new incarnation of Dumpty Dum. No backhanded compliments needed. On to the archers. In the past fortnight, I've noticed that there's a lot of sibling squabbling in Ambridge, whether it be Gen Zers like Lily and Freddie and Pip, Josh and Ben, or older brothers and sister combos like Ed and William, Emma and Chris, Susan, Tracy and their brothers, Tony and his sisters, and of course, David and Kenton, there's a lot of bad blood in the village air. What's the reason for all of this family feuding? My brother and I are great pals. I can't imagine my niece and nephews not getting along. Sibling jealousies, desire for most attention and approval from their parents, limited resources to go around in Ambridge, hardly anyone breathes the air of another locale. What gives? Now we have Pip and almost brother-in-law Rex fighting. Both held their ground rather well and gave it pretty good to the other on Thursday. Will this last, or is it just the setup in an Ambridge rom-com where Rex is Tom Hanks and Pip is America's one-time sweetheart, Meg Ryan, and their arguments turn into ardor? As I like to say, we shall see. One more topic to bring up today, going back to Freddie. 
and what was discussed a couple of weeks ago. Will he be the long-awaited young LGBTQ character I and others have waited for? There are some compelling clues, such as his mother noting that he hasn't had much luck or is at much interest in the opposite sex. Once again, my magic eight ball is hazy. So I will again mm-hmm. say, we shall see. Talk to you soon. <laughs> we shall see indeed with a spoon. Yeah, sibling squabbling has been rife, hasn't it? I mean, it's often there, but in recent couple of weeks, more than ever. And yet, is it because they barely ever leave Ambridge? Well, they don't the do that, really. Yeah. Mm. As soon as you know, as soon as they try and get on the bypass to Borsetshire, some uh, a storm cloak comes in, or the police close the road, <laughs> they can never quite make it. You can check out any time you want, but you can never leave. It, well, that's yeah. Hotel California, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Slightly different. Is Borsetshire such a lovely place? Such a lovely place. Oh, very good, Royfield. <laughs> <laughs> So for everyone else, when Witherspoon calls in, they probably hear the kind of the lovely scrambled eggs music. Whereas for me, I get such a kicking from him every week. It's like it's, for me, it's like dum 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 dum. Oh. Like, so when when, <laughs> when, when when's he going to stick the boot in? So at the at the end there, he was like one more thing. I was like, oh, here we go. It's, it's traditional. And, and Peter has said something stupid and ignorant again. Um, I thought was coming my again, yeah. Um, but said in that very sort of smooth and lovely way. Um, but no, mm. thank you. With it's no. been a week off. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you know he's he's expressed love for the original Dumpty Dum and the new. So that is yeah, which good. I think I, is, I'm which glad. I think it's fair enough. Mm. Evil mm. Nasty Me did relish that um, uh, review last week with all of the um, brutal kickings <laughs> that Royfield had to take. But but I will now, uh, you know, a week later, admit that I'm, I'm fully on with uh, fully agreed with with a spoon. I think that, you know, hopefully people can uh, people can, can appreciate both mm. incarnations. Yeah, exactly. Talking about loveliness. Right. Uh, so uh, there is Jan Mitchell who listeners of a certain vintage will know that uh, Jan Mitchell over there uh, in Canada has got a, a massive, big, warm, lovely place in my heart because she sent me um, a cake uh, in about 2015. She asked for my address. She went, oi, uh, I need to send you something. I need your address. And I got this cake like a week later and it was utterly tremendous. Uh, so uh, there's there's a, a bit of a drum roll and a fanfare for our Jan. And now here is her call. Hello, everyone in Dumpty Dum land. This is Jan Mitchell from Vancouver, BC, Canada, calling in. I'm just calling about the October 15th Dumpty Dum podcast, which I really enjoyed. I'm a little behind in my listening. I'm referring to the email from Vicki Cole and how nice it was to hear her and hear from her and hear her reminiscing about all the Dumpty Dummers she's had the opportunity to meet in her travels. And I was one of those lucky Dumpty Dummers who got to meet Vicki when she uh, landed in Vancouver on her cross-Canada trip. And we went for a lovely gelato down by the ocean, and she is delightful. And I just wanted to say it's a really lovely memory for me. I think one of two Dumpty Dum visits I've had, so very special to me. Anyway, it was, it's been great to hear all the new hosts and the new social people, and, of course, Royfield. Have a great day. Oh, that's a lovely one, wasn't it? That they they met each other 
Vicky and Jan and had ice cream by the sea. Mm-hmm. Are you are you angling for another cake? A- absolutely, absolutely. Um, I actually thought it was going to herald the start of a Dum 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 tradition, kind of like Test Match special, where uh, you could opine on the cake from Mrs. Worthington uh, that she sent through, and you know the lemon drizzle from you know Mrs. Brown over in Shropshire. But it didn't. It was a one-off. So if anybody would like to, you know, ask me for my address or maybe Peter oh God, many or Terry, you know, yeah. uh, ask their shameless. address. Christmas is coming. You know, let us taste your wares. Sorry, Kerry. Marcus Rashford <laughs> is working day and night to feed the children of Britain and Royfield. <laughs> However, just a very quick uh, shout out because what uh, Jan Mitchell's call reminds us of is the community that is dum de dum. And I know it sounds a little bit kind of like trite. It's like, oh, you're a community, but we bloody well are. Uh, the flick up posse uh, big up to the flick up posse so here you go i said it um now uh yesterday we did film club and it was most awesome and there was about 12 of us discussing the film rocks uh which i opined about some weeks ago remember Go on to the Flick app, folks, and uh, register your passion. You know, I'm into crochet. I'm into uh, Villa getting a kick in from Southampton, whatever. And then other dumdy dummers will then uh, coalesce around you and say, oh, go on to the Flick app, <laughs> register your interests there, and other uh, dumdy dummers uh, will uh, be your pals. And that's really what was underlined in Jan Mitchell's call, the fact that our Vicky Cole, who was living in Kenya at the time, basically put it out there on the ether and said, I'm going to be travelling to Canada. Are there any dum-de-dummers? And she met up with uh, Mary Not Contrary in Toronto, then Jan Mitchell all the way over in Vancouver. So that's what we're trying to foster here. Not just talk about the archers, but also her community, he said with his Lovely. best Burrumi accent. Right, mm-hmm. now that's Jan Mitchell, now it's Andrew Horn. Who's also met Vicky Cole, actually, but that was in London. That's a conversation for another time. Greetings, Earthlings. It's Andrew Horn here. I hope you are all well and safe and keeping space or whatever else it is we're supposed to be doing at the moment. <laughs> uh, so last week on The Archers, it was mainly about inheritance. Um, we had Brookfield and the Pip Josh squabble over land and the... Um, uh, impending impact on the fair brethren and it was interesting to see the way they're bringing Rosie's future in as a way of neutralizing Toby's and getting Toby on side um, I think that one's going to play out but my plot prediction is is uh, for more imminent storyline is around lower Loxley and I wondered whether the trustees were starting the process of disinheriting Freddie in favour of, of Lily. We don't know what how much scope they've got in terms of uh, assessing whether he's fit or not, or even when he's due to inherit. Is it when he's 25? Um, and Or is it when he's 30? We don't know any of this. Um, but it did seem that uh, Bernard didn't like Freddie and didn't, uh, didn't think he'd redeemed himself. So I think that one we're going to see a lot of, and it could be one in the eye for uh, primogeniture and uh, and Freddie's inheritance as the male heir. And finally, uh, uh, coming back to Brookfield, I didn't mention Ben. 
I did feel a bit sorry for him with the puppy love on that terrible radio show, um, which I still can't get my head around. Um, I, I thought he was doing really well to to, uh, to try and uh, get Evie's interest and then just to be let down by Susan at the end. Anyway, it's nearing the end of my two minutes. I'll try and call in again soon and uh, keep your peckers up. Bye. <laughs> Before I speak about Andrew's call, I just wanted to put a disclaimer in about the food that is going to be sent to me. I don't want veggie chili. Okay, thank you. Um, so yeah, so inheritance. I thought we were asking for cake. <laughs> oh, You're okay. having, we're having cake. Yeah. You're having Rivita and some other kind of, you know, sort of slimming, <laughs> slim, slim as world food, Royfield. <laughs> Andrew Horn's point about Fweddy. And when he might be due to inherit, I can remember that Bernard said that they were soon to decide if Weddy is suitable to inherit in full. So, I mean, it's a bit vague, but they did say they used the word soon. It stuck in my mind. So, right. Okay. Yeah, that that missed me, but that makes complete sense. Otherwise, that does slightly add some kind of logic to the the plot line, which I, you know, I completely missed. Mm So yeah. how old is Fre- isn't Freddie is not twenty one yet is he? Um, well, so no. Lily, Lily, Lily has just screwed up her first year at university. Not screwed up. I did exactly the same thing. She's chosen to uh, uh, reassign some of the time invested in university. Um, so yeah, um, they didn't have a gap year. So nineteen twenty. Mm. And is soon to take over Lower Loxley. I know nothing about inheriting stately homes, mm. but I thought that Harry? stuff. but i thought that stuff generally was like 25 you you know it was not 21 but what do i know maybe the decision happens now rather than the actual act of inheritance is that is that sufficient grounds to disinherit a person as you you were talking about earlier you know he served his time would they not have said at the time that he had that conviction oh this is going to perhaps make things dodgy with the inheritance yes no, it sounds like it's all come out of the blue now because he's putting on a pantos. Why didn't they mention it? <laughs> I mean, I know that is criminal in some people's minds. You know what? Put it's... like that. You know what? He should be totally disinherited. I'm no. bloody hate a panto, let alone the Ambridge yeah. panto. How's Linda? Just... How's Linda avoided going to prison? I don't know. Um... <laughs> Just or or if you flip it, how rich would Linda be if she hadn't put on these pantos? No, just these these the the billions that she's been disinherited from over the years from her dedication to that art. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Interesting one. Mm. Yeah. Right. Well, um... and the point, the point about Rosie being brought into it as well. Yes, he's right, isn't it? That that she used that as a bit of a manipulative technique, didn't she? Our pit. If anyone can tell us about uh, um, inheritance, it's um, probably mm. probably Andrew because yeah. he sounds like Nigel Havers. He's very, very got a very smooth, posh voice. So maybe um, Andrew can call in again to tell us all about inheritance and how it works. Yes. Inheritance when you have trustees, you know, when because uh, because the the really interesting thing about this whole uh, storyline is the fact that Freddie's not of majority, is he? And and that's the really interesting bit. It's not as if he was like thirty five and you know Nigel has just died, so he's just going to taken up the reins at, at Lower Loxley. Mm. It's uh, this interregnum period where you have people 
holding things in trust of what Nigel's wishes were for his son. You know, that's interesting bit. But yes, Andrew Horn, please call in again because uh, we know that you're to the manor born, sir. So you'll know all about this type of stuff. Jenny, Jenny, Jenny. Greetings, Royfield, Kerry, Peter and all in Dumdi Dumland. Just calling in to say thank you very much for the episode that you did with Ben Norris. Um, what a lovely young man really like him and I have to say I'm really beginning to like his character on The Archers as well. wasn't very sure when Ben first started speaking. Um, I think his deep voice was quite alarming considering he was meant to be 18 but now we've got used to that. He's a lovely character. I love his relationship with Jill. I do love his relationship with Rory. I have to say I'm quite disappointed that he's turned out to be heterosexual and quite enthusiastically heterosexual at that. I had great hopes that him and Rory we're going to be an item at some point and after so much fun playing with each other's joysticks in their teenage years I thought we would be having another coming out and another gay characters in the village but no um he's off with Evie who sounds like a jolly nice girl and hopefully she won't have the misery that being a an archer wife is inflicted on her uh, I think it's very ironic that Ben is studying geography at university uh considering that the characters in Ambridge very rarely make it as far as Birmingham, let alone anywhere else <laughs> in the wider world. And I'm also beginning to wonder about the inheritance. Josh and Pip are competing for the land on the farm. Where is Ben going to come in all of this? And how does it work with the shares that Shula and Kenton and Lizzie have? Uh, they seem to be tr going to end up splitting the farm about six ways. And even if the farm isn't sold, um, you've still got three families there that are going to need a livelihood off this and David and Ruth haven't had a really good discussion with the kids about succession and who's going to get the farm so obviously that's all coming to a head and it'll be interesting to see where Ben falls in all of that. So I hope you're all staying well and I hope you're not all as nervous about the US election as I am. I can remember telling the children that there was going to be a female president and being quite excited about that just praying everything goes oh, the right dear. way this week. So see you on the other side. Oh, Jenny, oh, I love was... these corners. Yeah, that was sad, wasn't it? Um, there's oh. a special treat at the end of this uh, week's podcast. Uh, Peter has found a suitably moving piece of music, <laughs> uh, which will oh, play don't... out, uh, especially uh, <laughs> for all of our American uh, listeners. As you were, uh -huh. new pair. Well, Jenny is spot on about the Ben Norris uh, Dumpty Dum interview that you did and you put out last week, didn't you? Um, what a lovely, lovely man he is. It's Please, please go and watch it if, if any of you haven't yet. It's, it's wonderful. Um, you did really well at interviewing him, of course, but you, you both had great chemistry, didn't you, I think? You've got on a lot. Yeah. It, he, he was super easy to get on with and dare I say I kind of just wanted to be him and I fancied him uh, so yeah. uh, that done half help an interview <laughs> do you know what I mean so, I, I've, yeah. only, I've only heard the um, podcast is he, is he super good looking oh yeah yes. yeah his eyes oh my god I was like mesmerised yeah mm. it's very okay, good I yeah. have, to, have to give it a watch <laughs> But he's so lovely, isn't he? And it was interesting hearing him explaining what it's been like, you know, behind the scenes and, and his first first time on set and everything, wasn't it? 
Mm. Uh, absolutely. And also the fact that he's proper mates with uh, the actor who plays Rory, whose name is yeah. Angus. And we have some news hot off the press. Angus and I have been emailing each other and he wants to do um, a Friday Zoom as does Ben as well. And now we're basically in lockdown again in the UK. I think mm -hmm. we'll have to dust off the Friday Zoom. So uh, so those two young men uh, will be um, on a Zoom near you soon, folks. Together? Uh, no, separately. Now it's Brian. I think he's a bit of a pal of yours, isn't he, Kerry? I love Brian. Hello, yes. Royfield, Kerry and Peter. It's Brian. You know, the first thing, the very first thing I thought when they announced the second lockdown was, will they have to go back to the monologues on the archers? It's a problem. Anyway, the reason I'm reading today, um, plot prediction. Now, we didn't hear much from about Philip and Kirsty this week, but I think we'll be waiting a while before we get the downfall of Philip. The, <clears throat> the reason for that is, I think, Philip's made this big thing about Christmas. So I think Harrison will arrive with the handcuffs on Christmas Eve. Yes. Philip will be all dressed up in his Christmas jumper with the flashing lights on and will be carted away, leaving Kirsty weeping in the corner. Um, and as Christmas Eve is a Thursday, that would be the ideal time to finish the... Um, well... Leave, leave <laughs> us on the suspenseful note before Christmas. Um and that, anyway, that's my thought. I don't know what you think about that, but um, uh, yeah, keep safe. Um, keep up the good work. Let's talk to you, Kate. Bye. Well, Brian, you genius. This is Buggy Squires on the Twitters, yeah. by the way. Yeah, because he Philip was hugely into Christmas, wasn't he? All the Christmas lights, completely over the top. Wouldn't it be marvelous if that is when it all comes crashing down? His the most wonderful time of the year <laughs> for us yeah. mm. it's it's unimpeachable i don't think it's i mean it, it took a slight dip when he was talking about kirsty sort of you know racked with tears kind of sobbing in the corner but apart from that lovely can't wait all right folks uh almost at the end of the caller inners and uh we've had new i think we had a new caller in her but she didn't exactly out herself as as one uh we've had a classic old-time caller in her and now we're gonna have a caller in her of the cloth so to speak does pastoral care up at uh, newcastle uni it's our mia hi royfield and all dumpty dum peeps worldwide this is mia up in newcastle land i hope you're all well especially with the news of the lockdown for england happening again i hope we don't go back to those monologues Anyway, I just want to, to say something about Pip. I've never really understood why everyone's so down on her, although I did get a glimpse of it the other week when she was quite obnoxious with Josh. But she strikes me as a hard-working person. She's pleasant enough. She's a little bit self-centred, but she's working hard and she wants to do right for her daughter. She does have David and Ruth as parents, after all. So let me know why everyone's so against her. I think she's all right. I think the actress is playing her really well. And I think there's good things in store for Pip. She's a real grafter and I'm not quite team Pip, but I'm borderline. Anyway, take care of yourselves. And I hope to see some of you on a potential Zoom. Bye. 
Well, Mia, fortunately, we've covered this topic hugely already. And um, it's very generous spirited of you to say that she's hardworking and pleasant and a, a little bit self-centered and she's all right. But uh, let's see what you think now, having heard what we talked about earlier between the three of us. Yeah. And it's, it's very yeah. rare to hear someone so lovely be so wrong. Um, because Pip, Pip is evil, so then that's fact. There you go. You heard it here first, folks. Well, maybe it's the second time you've heard it, actually. It's time for electronic correspondence, uh, which is done via textual means, our Auntie Kerry Warburton. Um, do we have any emails with an H? We do have the emails. Yes, we do. We have three electronic messages. The first one is from Vanessa. Uh, and Vanessa says, hello all, I'm a first time emailer. I discovered the Archers in 2014. I think I'm a Johnny and have been a loyal listener since. I had to write to you regarding the Fallon Harrison storyline. As a hetero married woman just turned 40 who had decided to be childless by choice, I hope they can stick to this story and show how fulfilling a childless marriage can be. My husband and I discussed this before we got even engaged to make sure we both wanted the same things from our future. We've been married 10 years and we do check in on one another to make sure it's still what we both want. On some other notes, can't stand Pip, she's so grating. <laughs> uh, second bullet point, can they kill off Peggy already? <laughs> um, Roy needs some loving. Yes. Rex needs a girlfriend, in brackets, absolutely not, Pip. Um, need more characters of colour. And finally, give Ruth a break. She's doing the best she can. <laughs> so keep up the great podcasting from Vanessa. I think a couple of weeks ago I said about how I, I also hoped that they, that, that um, Harrison and Fallon would be able to um, be a happy couple without a kid and that, you know, it, it would be shown that you can invest in someone without necessarily um, being preoccupied with their ability to produce children. Um, mm. And, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think it, 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 it's, I mean, I, as I said before, I have a kid. I don't think he's the beginning and end of who I am. And um, obviously you and Roy feel Kerry have had kids for a lot longer. But, you know, I don't want my identity to be, you know, purely. I don't want to just be Cyrus's dad. You know, I still want to, you know, be someone else. And I imagine that my life still would have had a value without him. Email number two. Yes, this is from Marguerite with a G. Or is it Marjorie with a G? Anyway, um, she's put with a G in the brackets. I've probably pronounced it incorrectly. First time email innera. I've tried calling in, but the pressure of speak pipe and the time limit means I fluff it every time. Oh, um, I've been listening to Dumpty Dum for about four years and I love the new lineup, especially the bickering. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and all the extracurricular activities, Zooms, film club, that's what she means. Thank you. Um, I've been listening to The Archer since time began, as Radio 4 was always on in the background when I was growing up. But the first storyline I remember was Lizzie failing to revise for her A-levels. The good thing with The Archers is that you can go away for 10 years, come back and pick up the plot within about two episodes. Um, talking of which, I have a plot prediction. 
Following the discussions about whether Gavin can be redeemed, I would say that like in the Dickens novel, he can only be redeemed through death. Philip will force Blake, <laughs> yeah, I say, uh, Philip will force Blake to do some heavy lifting, which Blake isn't strong enough to manage. Blake will stumble, fall, and at the last minute, Gavin will rush in to help, only to be crushed by a pile of girders. <laughs> <laughs> She's gone into real detail. Um, he'll make a gasping deathbed confession to Kirsty, who has turned up at the building site to bring some sandwiches. <laughs> Philip is arrested and never spoken of again. A few weeks later, we find Kirsty tearfully scattering Gavin's ashes on Lakey Hill, where she bumps into Michael Sheen and lives happily ever after. <laughs> <laughs> a nice callback. Yeah. Yes, exactly. uh, imagine, imagine being the Foley <laughs> artist that gets that script. Okay, girders. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Blake's packed lunch. You know, it's just that, that, that's uh, tearful scattering of ashes. Yeah, I love yeah, that. Now, it was so good. I mean, it was very humorously written, but in between, in between all the jokes, there's actually mm. a, a big, big chunky kernel of truth. I think that will be mm. Gavin's out. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah, she she really really does have a point, doesn't she? Yeah, the deathbed uh, confession. You know what? That's it's interesting, right? Because I witted on earlier on about Trotsky being the good communist. Is that because he got the ice pick to the back of a head in Mexico? Well, could be. There is yeah. something about death that does elevate you, unless you're Hitler and you've died in a bunker and you just committed suicide with Ava Braun. You know, mm. you, you can't redeem yourself that way. Just made me think. Yeah, I like that. Mm, yeah. But we were given a, a very uh, lovely review, but it was based on the fact that it was based on our bickering. And it kind of makes me a bit nervous because it's kind of a scarce resource because it was sort of our, our <laughs> friendship is obviously jeopardized by the amount of bickering. And so it's kind of like sailing a catamaran. Oh, you know, I disagree. How, how... I think it's enhanced by it. That's the way you yeah. stress test friendship. I'm glad you're agreeing, mm. Auntie Kerry Warburton. You stress yeah. test it by saying, you know what, I can tell you that I'm pissed off with you and or do it in a jokey manner. And you're secure in the fact that they know that, you know, you care about them. You can stress I, test a friendship by bickering. Royfield, I don't think your hard drive is big enough for the intervention that would follow if I gave you the full honest <laughs> breakdown of, um, you know. I mean, but we can, you know. Be careful what you wish for, Royfield, my darling. Yeah, but we, we, we can give it a go if you want. We could make it a Patreon special. Oh, well, hmm. Well, uh, maybe we should have the third and final electronic mail before we go into the Social Supremo stuff, because I don't know if my hard drive is big enough to take a, a kicking from, <laughs> sorry, uh, some bickering from Pete Fickling. Yeah, that was a roller coaster, that, wasn't it? Mm. Woo. Um, OK, this final one, it's not an email. I think he it's a text to you, uh, Royfield, that you have forwarded on to me from Lee Greenston. And um, Lee says... Please, please, can we return to the pre-COVID brass band playing the signature tune for the Omnibus? The one playing at the moment hurts my ears. Thank you. <laughs> he ends. Or she, don't know. Uh, and, and the answer was, it's not my decision to make, but you're the second person this week to ask the very same thing. So I actually like the uh, different, newer um, signature tune myself. Yeah, so do I. Um, I think maybe, but do you do you actually listen to the? Because um, I've I've 
I've pretty much stopped listening to it live. I only listen to it on the on the um, podcast now. And mm. so I always skip through the theme tune. But I don't find myself doing the same for the Sunday edition. Do you think that's just because I, I, I haven't had decades and decades of listening to it? Mm, possibly. Not sure about that. I mean, I, I do tend to listen. Well, definitely listen live to the Omnibus. But yeah, but yeah no, I'm a, I'm a fan of that version of the uh, theme tune. Are you, Roy? I always skip the intro to be honest with you yeah. so it's not it's a bit like piparture for me it's a bit meh you know i mm. I, I just oh. like mm, whatever i just go skip 30 seconds in i think it's more of a jolly romp i, I just they, they definitely can only go back in time because if they tried to do a kind of like a ski sunday and kind of funk it up it would be just falling <laughs> if they tried to kind of like if they got Cardi B, you know, to pop by and kind of do a rework of, um, you know. There, there is um, a drum and bass version of Barrett Green um, on YouTube, which I discovered about three years ago. And I was trying to find it again recently to um, <laughs> to do some some kind of a silliness with. And I just can't. But it is out there somewhere. I think it's one of the hardest tunes ever to funk up. But somebody mm. did come kind of manage it once it's just so whimsical full stop that the melody yeah. you know you can't even make it to be down with the kids and you know a bit of sub bass but wah 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 pull them up pull them up pull them up <laughs> you know it just doesn't work with da, 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 da. <laughs> the two things are so in contrast with you've, each got, other. you've got to get get the tune really sort of as like a really dirty sound bah, the tune bah, itself bah, 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 yeah bah, bah. yeah yeah yeah. you know you're right yeah you could give it a kind of grange hill kind of um treatment that might work what have i unleashed <laughs> this is terrifying <laughs> right i'll tell you what you have unleashed me thinking it's almost uh. time to uh, wrap the show up so we're gonna go uh and and listen to sandra sandra jenkins and she's gonna um tell us what's uh, been happening on the socials in the last seven days hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. 
Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hello, this is Sandra from a grey, wet and miserable Hampshire. In another life, I would have been on a cruise ship heading towards the Caribbean and then up to New York, but this is the story of our lives in 2020. Alice and her pregnancy continues to be a hot topic across the Facebook groups. I asked in a poll if Dumpty Dummers thought that Alice was suffering from alcohol withdrawal symptoms, hence the continued sickness that she has um, started experiencing. Witherspoon put me right, saying that physical symptoms would have lasted about 10 days and her glass of wine with Lillian was longer ago than that. Another reason for the continued sickness could be hyperemesis. And one dumpty dumber, speaking from experience, said that if Alice felt that sick, then the last thing she would want to do would be to have a drink. Another fan also speaking from personal experience, didn't think that she was ill enough for it to be hyperemesis. Of course, not everyone is as convinced as me that Alice has stopped drinking. Some fans believe that she is drinking in secret and maybe more vodka bottles will be found in the shed. Another concern expressed is that if she has stopped, she might start again due to the stresses of looking after a small baby. One train of thought is the baby will have to be born with a problem. Otherwise, people may think that it's okay to drink to excess whilst pregnant. I am sure that Archer's listeners are much more sensible than that. The storyline was actually linked to Nick's sepsis and the um, public information um, message coming from that. I also asked who Dumpty Dummers thought Alice might open up to first about her worries about the pregnancy and birth. Gavin was the most popular by a long way in the poll. Even Scroff got two votes, but that's become an Archer's fan tradition in Facebook polls. Of course, other stories this week centre around Brookfield. There seems to be a lot of support and sympathy for Toby and Rex, although I did see some confusion with some people thinking that they were also being evicted from their home, which isn't the case. 
The general consensus seemed to be that Pip was treating them both badly and that there must be somewhere else on the farm to locate the egg business and to expand the herd. Many of us seemed to have memory failures when it came to where the pigs had been located before Rex bought them from Neil, but that they were on Neil's land. The broken gate was a subject of discussion, as real detectorists wouldn't have acted that way. Ben was somewhat devious in arranging the interview on the radio with Susan, but fans thought that Ruth was unfair in her criticism of him. After all, she had asked him to promote the Brookfield barn business. There was some amusement about Susan's comments about Evie. One person likened her to Beverly in Abigail's party. Another area of discussion has been the inheritance of Lower Loxley, with the suggestion of Lily taking over rather than Freddie. That didn't seem to be a popular idea, especially with Thrust still living with Lily at Lower Loxley. One thing that I have noticed across the groups is that some people are questioning whether the actors have changed. One question was, it's a new Pip, isn't it? Nah, maybe it's because we hadn't heard their voices for a while. By the way, people are still tuning in on Friday evening and being disappointed. Obviously, a matter of concern at the latter end of the week was due to lockdown number two. Are we going to go back to the monologues and duologues? That we will have to wait and see. Goodbye for now. Sandra, thank you for that, my dear. Uh, as always, uh, tip top. Uh, now, Pete Vicklin. Twitters. Uh, Honour is now bestowed upon you to give us bronze, silver and gold in uh, the discipline known as tweeting. Thank you. I'm going to try and be quick and efficient this week because I think we need to save some time. So here we go. Bronze. Um, John John at John John 21 says, do other parents poke into their children's um, private lives as much as the archers or am I just being a crap parent? Uh, that that woman that I had the first date with in Walnut Creek, she absolutely does. Is the answer to that? So yes, is the okay, answer. Okay, so we found we found the person. Okay, so that's that. And now, um, pure. This is this is genuine coincidence. This hasn't. Uh, uh, this is you know just this is there's no planning here. But the the mighty at Buggy Swires, aka Brian Holding, uh-huh. who we heard from just a few minutes ago, has said uh, Rex is going to storm off the rewilding project as well, isn't he? which will then be a resounding success, making Rex the peak best of Ambridge. <laughs> yes, love it. <laughs> and in at gold position, Royfield's dramatic music swelling beneath my whiny voice. Um, <laughs> Little Kim, at Little Kim, L-I-D-L Kim. Oh yeah, bloody midwives are a nightmare. Looking after pregnant women, reassuring them, monitoring the health of the baby and ensuring a safe birth. Awful people. Because <laughs> <laughs> yes. Alice said the midwife was patronising and yeah. doing um, reading, didn't she? How very uh, dare you professionally, yeah. you know, uh, take an interest in the health of my child, which is what you're paid to do, mm. <laughs> folks. Dundedum.com. If you uh, think that you can actually funk up Barrett Green, uh, why don't you go to Dundedum.com? And as what, well, apart from just telling us, why don't you actually do it, you know, on your four track home recording system? Gee, I'm showing my age, four track recording system. It's <laughs> 1990 all over again. Uh, Yay. You know, get out your laptop, get out um, crumbs. What the hell do people use? Garage Band. Garage Band, there you go. Thank you, Peter. Garage Band. Get out Garage Band and, um, you know, 
funk it up because Pete would like to hear that. Kerry would like to sing on it and I would like to produce it or something like that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so that's dumdum.com. Go on there. And we did mention was made of this uh, in the middle of the show. But uh, our Jesse, our techie, he is literally, as we speak, fixing this. So by the time you've heard this, maybe, possibly, you never know, the login issues, the sign-up issues might be fixed on dumdydum.com so you can actually become a fully-fledged member. And guess what, folks? A few episodes ago, I did talk about tractor where we had the big map of the world and you could pin yourself to it and don't worry there was no privacy issues you didn't exactly put it on your physical address but just in your town you just went right i'm from southampton i'm jenny from southampton or i'm kerry from from brighton type of thing and what it means is that other dumpty dummers that are close by can say oh my goodness there's somebody in this town, in this village, uh, in this county, very close to me, that also loves the archers via dum dum So I'm going to, like, uh, reach out to them. And uh, that's just a wonderful, wondrous, wondrous thing that she used to have before. Guess what? Jesse is going to make Tractor version 2 for us. Uh, a few weeks ago, we read out a massive list, the definitive list of people who contribute to the website. And uh, they... Keep the keep the good ship dum dum afloat by their donations on Patreon.com and also on PayPal. So go to Patreon.com, two dollars per show, and it helps uh, keep Kerry in uh, blue smarties and Peter in. What do you like on your rider, Pete? I I always forget, and you always have me. You know, give me round the houses about it before we start recording. Oh, I, uh, a big big bowl of um, porridge made with water. That'll do me. I'm a very simple man. <laughs> Good grief, as riders go. <laughs> Somewhat disappointing, Peter. <laughs> Peter, okay, Peter, Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. I, Treat uh, okay, yourself. Uh, okay, so what, 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 what I genuinely like... Oh, a fancy bike. I'll have a fancy bike. That'd be nice. What, before every show you want a brand new bicycle? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> One extreme to another. Okay, this is like this is like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Okay, so let's go for the the porridge that's just right. Then um, I will have okay a a lovely uh, a lovely spicy pizza, please. Oh, is that okay? Oh, I think that's quite reasonable. Now I've been boring. You see that? No, oh, no, no, that's right, quite then. reasonable. I want that. I okay. don't like blue sparkies. Thank you. <laughs> 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 now you've seen what Peter gets on his rider, you, you're up in yeah. yours. Fair enough. I'm all Fair about boy. the savoury, me. I don't oh. like sweet stuff, so anyway. I, t- I, t- yeah. I tell you what, I j- halfway through Dum Dee Dum, can't remember which one of you was actually talking, I did have an Instagram moment and I did see the Sunday roast that you ate yesterday, Kerry. Oh, and... it was good. Mm. Did you oh, put a bit of that lamb in your pocket and take it home with you? <laughs> It was lamb, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I ate the lot. <laughs> there was no lamb in my pocket for once. <laughs> um, so remember to get in contact. You can send us a voice message via SpeakPipe on the website or call 0203 031 3105 to leave a message or send a text message starting with dumb to 077 0- 0- 0- 0- 0- 0- 0- 0- and uh, you know the next bit. Uh, I, I, if you've said this like 300 and what, 50 odd times, it's really hard to, to say in, in a way which you haven't said it before. Yeah. But Twitter. No one wants to find us on Twitter, do they? Let's face it. Really. 
<laughs> do they? No. Anyone, anyone who, anyone who is uh, um, papering the cracks of their, you know, their life to that extent has already found us. So mm. yeah, don't bother. Nothing, nothing interesting happens. Right, but if somebody <laughs> is on Twitter, Auntie <laughs> Kerry Warburton, and they yeah. want to hashtag in the archers, how should they do that correctly? Ah, yes, very, very good point, Royfield. If you are using hashtag the archers, which I'm sure all of you are, please remember to capitalise the T and the A. So the archers needs to be the with a capital T, archers with a capital A, because it helps visually impaired people who use screen readers. Mm. Uh, stress test of democracy we talked about bickering stress testing friendships and you definitely uh, Facebook is one of those things which is stress testing civil discourse and uh, society and democracy and you think Roy would you going over the top I'm not I'm not. We'll look back at this period in history and we'll look at the overweening power of social media networks and individuals that run them and the disproportionate effect they have on our societies. And we'll say, how do we allow that to continue? But Facebook isn't all bad. There's some lovely little bits of Facebook <laughs> and Dumdy Dum is one of them. So go on to Facebook, type in Dumdy Dum and have yourself a right old good time. Uh, big up to the Flick app posse. Remember, folks, uh, Flick app, uh, how you get it, you go onto uh, Google Play or the Apple uh, App Store, type in Flick, I think it might be Flick app, and you'll get an app and it's going to tell you it's all about sports with an S on the end, which really winds me up. Everybody knows sport <laughs> is singular and plural, it's sport. However, don't let that put you off. Download said app. Now, you will see a link on the show notes of this on your podcatcher and just go join up and you just have your best pals who you've never met or maybe you have, maybe you're Vicky Cole and you've gone travelling throughout the world, uh, across Canada and maybe you've met a few of them but you have them in your pocket and you can just talk about things that you really like. And as I said uh, earlier on, uh, we did Film Club yesterday and it was utterly lovely and I'm glad actually, Kerry, that you got Margie or Marjorie because mm. I didn't quite know how to say her name but she was actually on Film Club yesterday and I, and I tripped oh, cool. over that as well. Uh, lovely lady. Uh, there was Audrianne from Alameda, there was Laura from Marin County, Ford slash Arizona and it was just really utterly lovely to see so many people talking about film but that's what you can do via the Flick app. Whatever your interest and your passion group is, go on there, register it, build that thread and they will come and they will hang out with you and talk about stuff that you like. So I'm just going to say ta a bit and I'm going to say a special thank you to uh, Jussie2003 that spotted uh, a canal barge that said ta a bit, which I presume uh, <laughs> was in Brum yesterday. So thank you for saying that. It's made you think of me. But also we have to big up Sarah Spilsbury because she was the original ta a bit uh, woman <laughs> on the podcast. That's me saying yet again ta a bit. Peter. Fickling, would you like to say goodbye in a suitably Catford fashion? Yeah, well, uh, goodbye, guys. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know in Brighton you do things differently, yeah. don't you? Right, so Auntie oh, Kerry God. Warburton, sign off. I'm too busy wondering what the classy shirt was like that Ruth wanted to order for an 18-year-old to say goodbye, so... 100% <laughs> Ted Baker. Dude.
America has voted. And we all know America is going to do the right thing. And just to get the passion stirred of every American listening, here is a piece of music chosen by Pete Ficklin. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. To no. play us out. This is on you, Royford. This is on Take you. Take it away, the US military. <laughs> do not let us down. Stars and stripes, we salute you. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again With just my children and my wife I thank my lucky stars To be living here today Where the flag still stands for freedom And they can't take that away Minnesota to the hills of Tennessee across the plains of Texas oh from sea to shining sea from Detroit down